closing time. Conversations on commercial real estate, development, brokerage, and the economy. Presented by Capital Rivers, the leading disruptor in commercial real estate. Our host for this episode, Brian Bushlack. And thanks for the download as we take you behind the scenes in commercial real estate. And I'm sure many of you will relate to what Capital Rivers President Greg Aguirre is about to share with us. Want you to get to know Greg and what Capital Rivers is all about in this episode. And let's have some fun doing it. You know, not many people transition out of a cushy corporate job and uh, all the security that you get with that, the bonuses, the stock options, uh, certainly the security of a paycheck into what really is a very high-risk business in real estate development. I'm curious to get your backstory and why you chose to do this in the first place. Yeah, um, <laughs> I question it sometimes too when I'm stressed out, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I always had a desire to you know, work for myself and start my own company but I just kind of fell into the corporate side of the industry, which I'm glad that I did because I learned, you know, a lot of skills through working for other companies. You know, met a lot of people that ended up being very valuable, you know, relationships, which ultimately gave me the ability to go out on my own and start a development company. I think what really pushed me over the edge was I was never really a yes man. So I, I you know, kind of quickly realized I was never going to rise through the ranks of the corporate world, you know, because I had my own ideas on how to do things and kind of fairly stubborn in that sense. But uh, when uh, I was working for Sleep Train, which is a, a company here that was based in, in Sacramento in Rockland, they also own mattress discounters in Sleep Country. And they had about uh, 200 stores when I kind of came on board with them and ultimately had about 315 stores. Then about seven years ago, sold the company to Mattress Firm. And so, you know, I had the opportunity to stay on with Mattress Firm and I just didn't feel good about it. It was too big of a company. And uh, so I ultimately quit at a company retreat um, probably not the ideal time to quit your job. Um, no, no, stop right there. Now tell me about this. You, you quit at a company retreat. How far off-site were you? I mean, you obviously had a way to get out of there, right? No, I was stuck. We were in uh, Nevada. <laughs> was it Nevada? No, Arizona. And uh, it was one of these like, um, you know, resorts, like health and wellness resorts where you, you know, have ropes courses and trust falls and stuff like that. And it was like a three-day deal. And so on the, the day before the last day, I just I just couldn't do it. And it wasn't because of the trust falls and ropes ladders. I just uh, I just knew this wasn't wasn't me, wasn't what I wanted to do. It was even more corporate than past uh, you know jobs that I had. And so I quit. And um, there's another story that I, you know, maybe we can get into in another podcast relating to um, some of the history with Mattress Firm. If you just kind of Google, you know, what happened with Mattress Firm in the coming years, you probably can find out another reason why I left, but it was absolutely the right decision to do uh, for me at least. 
which is horrible timing. I also failed to tell my wife, which was not the best idea. Um, <laughs> so I let her know when I got back from the trip. <laughs> Thankfully, she was somewhat understanding. So now I'd quit and uh, didn't really know what I was going to do. Knew I wanted to do my own thing. And uh, I had a good friend through you know, my, my relationships that I've built on the corporate side uh, who was a developer. And uh, you know, he really pushed me and motivated me and said, Hey, look, you know, you can do this, you know, I'll, I'll support you. Let's go figure this out and do some development stuff. So at that same time, we found out that my wife was pregnant and I forgot to mention that we were in the middle of buying a house, which was slightly more expensive. So I just quit my job. We were buying a more expensive house and my wife was pregnant. So I was freaking out and um, decided to get into development, which is just the craziest thing ever. And uh, so started hustling, you know, working out of the home office and digging for sites. And after looking at hundreds of properties, you know, found one here in Sacramento, a, a shopping center that that I thought was ripe for redevelopment. And so, you know, we put that the property in escrow and ultimately got uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and Chili's to commit to the site. And so we moved forward with that project and my deal my structure i didn't have any capital so i got basically a 25 percent profits interest for my sweat equity so that's how i started so i would go find the properties get the tenants negotiate the leases uh get the entitlements manage the construction and then ultimately sell the assets and so we did that i could do a whole nother podcast just on that project alone and the challenges with it and then, uh, you know, did another one down in Merced and, you know, kind of grew from there to the point where, you know, I was able to generate enough capital to go do it on my own. And so, you know, that's really what's, uh, what's allowed me to grow, but um, was not easy. I applied for probably three dozen jobs during that process because I was freaking out. I almost accepted a job at SMUD, which thank God I didn't because I would have been horribly miserable. So it was a journey, to say the least. But here we are, seven, almost seven years later. An overnight success after seven years, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> With less hair on my head and more wrinkles. <laughs> right there with you, my friend. Okay, so, you know, commercial real estate, having been around it uh, for, in one form or another, for 20 years, friends in the business, developers in the business, in many markets up and down the West Coast, I know how difficult and challenging the business is because I've been able to view it, you know, like a fly on the wall, right? A lot of people don't, though. They see the end product. They see that fancy strip center or they see that lifestyle center or that brand new restaurant and they think, you know, wow, you make a lot of money, right? Must be nice, huh? So they see the end product. So I think it's, it's, it's human nature to see that and think, wow, that must be nice. But they don't see the maybe the 10 years it took, right? to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. When people hear developers, they either don't like them because, you know, they've got this idea that they're coming in and changing their community for better or worse, or, you know, that they're making all this money and they're just these rich guys running around, you know, building things and, you know, it's an, it's an easy deal and, you know, they just have a lot of money. And, um, you know, in some cases there's people that you know, are in the development business that, that have a lot of money and maybe it was, you know, second generation or even third generation or whatnot. But, you know, for the most part, 
development is incredibly difficult. I mean, it's got to be one of the most challenging businesses, you know, for a number of reasons, particularly in places like California. Not only are you going and trying to find a piece of property that you can add value to, but you're balancing all of the various risks, which include coordinating bringing the tenants in that are going to add the value or redeveloping the center. You having to go work with the government to get entitlements, having to work with getting environmental reports done and studies and putting up a lot of cash out of the gate, you know, at risk because the deal might fall apart. And there's a whole slew of reasons why it could fall apart. And you're never getting that cash back in most cases. And then going and getting a large construction loan that you're personally guaranteeing in most cases, because it's you know generally a construction loan is going to have a um, require a personal guarantee. And so you're putting literally everything on the line for what you hope is going to ultimately be a good project and make money. With so many things that are out of your control, whether it be you know the economy, financial crisis, or a change in government regulation, or you know a tenant that decides to you know default on a lease or back out of an agreement that you had, or <laughs> you discover a high voltage power you know twelve kV line that's two inches under the asphalt that you you know excavate and and rip up that you didn't know existed, or uh, you know a pipeline that's running through your site that. You know, you discover when you hit it, when you're trying to put you know, a retaining wall in. I mean, you name it, the, the risks are there. And uh, you hope <laughs> that you did everything right and you were able to mitigate your risk and make some money at the end. Yeah. I mean, to be quite frank, you know, we did this uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and Chili's deal. And I probably made minimum wage on it by yeah. the time we were done after all the hours and time spent. But then I did another deal and we made, you know, over a million bucks. So it's it's a very very difficult high risk business yeah yeah you failed to mention the ancient indian burial ground that you might come across or you know those type of things too right that you just hey what is that oh oops and <laughs> right I mean, you, you just don't know best. you know you do environmental studies yeah. and you did geotechnical reports and but there's only so much due diligence you can do and you're not going to catch everything it's just yeah. not it's not possible so the name of the game is mitigate risk but at the same time, you have to take risk if you're going to make money. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned uh, two things that stuck for me there were California and, you know, the risk piece, an obvious one here. My uncle being more on the residential side of the development world in Southern California and having, okay. you know, gone through the booms and the busts back to the late 1960s, early 70s, oh, um, yeah. up through the most recent one that, w- that wiped him out. Right. And I mean, you yeah. talk about some incredible swings in wealth or lack thereof, right, um, that you expose yourself to. And, and California being the one of the largest economies in the world, but also being at the same time that canary in the coal mine. So if you're in Absolutely. Oregon or Washington or Nevada or surrounding states, things happen first in California, right? And you start to see things go sideways maybe first in California. So you're the leading edge of, you know, that the tip of that sword, right? So when things do start to go, you're going to be the first one to feel it. And then everybody else sort of has some time to kind of figure it out. Well, you don't have that luxury in the California market because you are really leading the country. 
Yeah, I mean, we've got things that we have to deal with, like the California Environmental Quality Act. I can do a whole other podcast just on that and the challenges for developers. And the reason why it's called CEQA really needs to be completely revised. But having to deal with that, having to deal with uh, very strict zoning and planning regulations, you name it. You know, the building code is very strict, energy efficiency standards, things like that. Incredibly high, in most cases, uh, development and impact fees. Talking with a developer friend the other day who's a really large developer, and his uh, one and a half inch water tap is $175,000 fee that he's got to pay to the water department. You know, and all of those things are risks, right? I mean, they, you might be halfway into the project, then all of a sudden the city decides to increase their impact fees, or now all of a sudden you've got a bust in your, in your budget. Or, you know, lately, a big risk has been that the cost of lumber has tripled. Well, if your project penciled a year ago, you know, when you started it, and now you're ready to start construction, you go out to bid and your lumber costs tripled, now you got to figure out where are you going to get those extra dollars from? <laughs> You've just eaten into your bottom line. Yeah. And in some cases, you know, these deals are pretty thin. You're probably losing money, but you might be far enough along that the only way to get out is to build it and take a loss. You know, I don't think that most people understand that. Yeah. It's a great example of uh, the risks you take and, and uh, you know, the time horizon, right? I mean, that's what always has blown me away is that you know you see a beautiful new whatever it may be a lifestyle center or uh and and you talk to the developer and they say yeah we we picked up an option on that land a decade ago and you think man i mean a lot of things had to happen for that to happen right i mean you know you're taking a risk that they're actually going to build a road there or that you know there's going to be an exit ramp to get to that uh potential uh piece of property in in 10 years or that the growth will continue and i mean we deal with all sorts of the governmental issues you talked about on the west coast particularly in california which sets the tone for not only the west coast but the rest of the country so you know you talk about those risks um you overcome all those risks why do you do this i mean (laughs) <laughs> right it's a good question um you know i ask myself that periodically if i'm going to be honest with myself it's it's an addiction i mean it's like the ultimate entrepreneurial business you know i mean every time we have a development project i'm starting a business and i i love to be creative i love to f- solve problems and uh you know, the potential can be huge. You know, I could do one deal and I can make millions. You know, on the flip side, I could do one deal and lose millions. But you have to be built, I think, to to be able to survive the stress and mitigate the risk. And you have to thrive on the the thrill of the entrepreneurial journey that, that development takes you through. And, um, you know, whether it's a sickness or not, I'm not sure. But uh I don't know. I love it. And I keep coming back to it. And uh, I love challenges. So yeah, I don't see myself doing anything different. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. You know, it's interesting getting to know you and your team over the past year, not to turn this into a backslapping infomercial for Capital Rivers, because that's the last thing we want here. Um, but, you know, you, you try to do it different too, right? It's not like you just got into this and I, I'm going to be, you know, Joe Sixpack, the developer, like every other developer, or every other commercial real estate outfit out there, you're doing things differently. 
And I, I take it that that's based on your own experience in the industry. What you saw was, you know, wrong or could be improved upon. And I, I want you to kind of unpack that for us. Yeah. You know, through my, I mean, kind of going back to the corporate side of things, you know, I kind of learned a lot of what not to do. I think when companies get really large, they start to make mistakes. And then, you know, I've also seen, you know, a lot of developers just through my being in the industry that have become greedy and started to do things that were outside of their knowledge base. And, and then I also had the, the fortunate opportunity to work for Dale Carlson, who's just a great entrepreneurial person and leader here in Sacramento. And so I kind of took all of that and said, okay, we're going to get into this high risk business, but if we're going to do it successfully and not fail, we need to be okay to say no to deals. And actually some of the best deals that we've ever done are the ones that we said no to. We need to mitigate our risk. So if we can't close escrow with a tenant in tow and a building permit, we're probably going to pass on it. And that means we're going to miss out on opportunities, but that's okay. And um, the biggest one is surrounding yourself with good people that are smarter than you. And that's, that's really critical. Our team here at Capital Rivers, they are way smarter than me. And so I'm blessed to have them and, and we're able to you know, mitigate risk by just being open with each other and, and sharing the challenges and then finding solutions and, and, um, you know, and then having a mentor or mentors. In my case, I've got lots of mentors. If I've got a project and I just want to bounce ideas and make sure that I'm not crazy and, you know, explore different ways of structuring deals or, you know, how do I, how do I get the capital on structure in a way that makes sense? And having somebody that you can go brainstorm those ideas with that's maybe been through it before that's going to give you completely, you know, honest, no bullshit answers is incredibly important. You know, something that's going to keep you on the straight and narrow and, and help you avoid those, those risks and pitfalls, pitfalls that maybe they took. Yeah. Right down to the naming of this podcast, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I mean, what a process that was, right? <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't think that'd be very hard. Nope. I guess uh, some of, some of the ideas that I came up with are a little bit too crazy, but, uh, I think we're settled on a good one. But that's part of the process, though, is, it, is it's flushing all process. that out, right? I mean, you know, yeah. you, you want to get it all out there, and, and, uh, and I'm happy where we landed. So, um, yeah. so many things to talk about, and we do, obviously, this is a series. We'll come back to a lot of it um, in bits and pieces over the next, uh, you know, year or so. I want to close by asking you, you know, we see the wins. We talk about the wins. You've touched on the losses, generally speaking, but maybe get more specific on, uh, you know, close calls with some of the deals you've had in play, um, you know, or or the failures and what you've learned from them. Yeah. Boy, there's so many. Oh, boy. I mean, we've had a couple of interesting ones. So... You know, after I was able to, you know, get that sweat equity and build some capital of my own, I went and did a, uh, a Dollar Tree, and uh, it was the first deal that I did with my own capital. You know, went and got a, a loan from U.S. Bank, personally guaranteed the loan, put my entire life savings into the deal, and, um, you know, was, was babying this deal like no other to make sure that I got it done and that it was going to make money and be successful got it done. We got a great, um, you know, offer from an investor that wanted to buy it. It was an escrow. And, 
lo and behold, the Oroville Dam is about ready to burst. The, the area surrounding our property, the, kind of that entire county goes on basically evacuation. The property was not in a flood zone, so we didn't need flood insurance, but if the dam broke, uh, it would definitely flood it. And, uh, and I couldn't close escrow because the county recorder's office was closed. And so I was sitting there watching the news, praying that the Oroville Dam would not break because I would basically lose my entire life savings and be done. And thank God that uh, the Oroville Dam did not break and the county recorder's office opened up and we closed escrow and I got the money in the bank and I ran to the hills and thank God. And we moved on. <laughs> so oh, that was, that was one, you know, and that's something like you just can't control, yeah. you know, who, who would have thought that the Orville dam would, you know, bust open at the seams. Like nobody would have guessed that, you know, one other one that kind of comes to mind is, uh, you know, we were uh, we were grading a site for a Dollar General, and um, there was uh, we were right where we had to put the retaining wall. I get a call from the GC, and he says, um, "You know, Greg, we have a, we have a bit of a problem here. We hit a uh, a pipe, and it appears to be an oil pipeline. And uh, what do you want us to do?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Like, I, I honestly don't know what to do here. And so, you know, we uh, we kind of knew that there was potentially an easement and the pipe could have, you know, we thought it was a lot deeper if it was even there in the first place. So the company that supposedly had rights to this, and I, you know, I won't name names, but they wanted an exorbitant amount of money to remove this pipe. Thankfully, it wasn't pumping oil it wasn't a an active oil pipeline it was still technically active but just not not in the sense that there was actual oil running through it and um they uh it was kind of an extortion deal where you know they were claiming they had they had these rights and um <laughs> so we hired a um of a, a title expert who ran a chain of title all the way back into like the early 1900s. I mean, back when, you know, the rail yards were coming, you know, rail lines were coming through and stuff. And, um, you know, ultimately came to the conclusion that, that they didn't have rights to this pipe. Right. And um, of course they weren't going to say that, but yeah, we felt pretty confident in it. So I had to take a risk. I had to make a judgment call. And I said, you know what? Screw it. We're going to rip the pipe out. So I called the GC and I said, cut the pipe out, remove it, haul it away. First, we had to remove the asbestos and get it abated by, you know, an abatement company. And they had to like bag up the asbestos that was on and and take a manifest and take it off to the the dump. So, you know, I I, I said, just cut the pipe out, take it out. I hired a, a local guy. He welded a cap on it. We took a bunch of pictures kept moving on. Well, about three days later, I get a phone call from um, the state fire marshal. And uh, he's like, uh, did you guys cut a pipe? <laughs> I said, yeah, we took it out. Like nobody owns it. So he's like, uh, we're going to have to shut you down and do an investigation. I was like, well, what do you have to investigate? Like nobody owns the pipe. He's like, well, 
you know, if you cut the pipe and there was something in it, it could have been really dangerous. And I had to explain to him, we knew that there was nothing in it. And, you know, it was this big ordeal. And finally, you know, he, he sided with us and realized that, you know, we were kind of being taken advantage of a little bit there um, by this, this oil company. And uh, ultimately, you know, it was kind of resolved, but it could have gone really, really bad. I mean, we could have, <laughs> We could, you know, meanwhile, we've got high you know, interest construction loans, so we're accruing interest. We could have been in default with, uh, you know, our lender. Uh, you know, the tenant could have thrown a fit. I mean, it could have just gone really, really ugly. And, um, you know, thankfully, we had done our research early on, you know, regarding the title and, and you know, hired the right experts and really felt confident in our position. And so, you know, we were able to mitigate that risk. But if we didn't have the wherewithal or the experts that we could call on, that could have been really ugly, but we got through it. <laughs> and now we own uh, a lot uh, next to the Dollar General that we built and we sold the Dollar General and all is good. And we're building a grocery outlet behind it now. So that's a great story. If you had to sum up what makes Capital Rivers different in maybe a sentence or two, what would it be? Boy, um, yeah, you know, our culture for sure. I mean, our ability to work as a team and help each other out is so critical. Our creativity. I mean, I think one thing that really sets us apart is our ability to really get creative and solve problems. I mean, whether it's brokerage, um, you know, on our brokerage side of the business or on the development side, um, you know, to be successful in this business, you have to be a problem solver and you have to be creative. And so that's definitely one of our strengths and really sets us apart. You know, so the combination of just the people, the culture, the uh, the sharing of information, and the ability to solve problems, I would, you know, and our grit. I mean, we we work very, very, very hard because we're growing this business as a team, and we all want want that success. And so, um, you know, all of those things together really set us apart. Now, our listeners can't see this flammable gas sign behind you <laughs> as we're taping on zoom is this, did you exhume this from one of your locations or where, where'd that come from <laughs> we did actually yeah we found it on one of our sites oh, okay um, yeah and then we also i mean we got if you you know anyone comes to our office we've got uh you know remnants of development sites uh things that we found you know we've got like this uh this brass plaque that was on a job site that we tore out that said, you know, trespassers will be prosecuted and it's got the, the, um, local ordinance code on it and, you know, something they used to do back in the day. And so we've got that in the office and hopefully no skeletons in your closet. I mean, literally no skeletons, no, skeletons. no not yet. At least. <laughs> yeah. So far so good. Well, great stuff, Greg. We appreciate everything you're doing and uh, we're looking forward to, uh, this series is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I've got lots of good stories to tell, and hopefully people enjoy them. Well, great to catch up with Greg and his adventures in commercial real estate. Now, you're welcome to binge on our initial episodes with Greg and General Counsel Scott Toussaint. Some great insight on the ins and outs of commercial leases, plus an economic update. And in upcoming episodes, we'll get to know the influencers and get their take on the market. Not only what's trending... That's old news, but get ahead of the market and be well-positioned for opportunities. All that and much more right here on Closing Time. Thank you for downloading Closing Time, presented by Capital Rivers Commercial. 
If you're interested in partnering with us, visit CapitalRivers.com to learn more. And follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest updates and real estate opportunities. Oh, 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 o